0: Welcome to the Activist Insight podcast, Beyond the Boardroom, a supplement to our monthly podcast which takes you through the top shareholder activism stories as told by Activist Insight Monthly. Here we discuss shareholder activism with some of the industry's top experts. I'm Ilana Duray, a financial reporter with Activist Insight, and today we are chatting with Seth Fisher, the chief investment officer of Hong Kong-based activist investor Oasis Management. Oasis is a dedicated activist with an emphasis on the Asian markets. Today, Seth talks to us about activism in Japan, where Oasis has invested in companies like Katakura Industries, Alpine Electronics, and Japan Display. In the first half of 2019, Japan saw a slight dip in the number of companies publicly subjected to activist demands with 42 companies targeted by an activist as of June 30th, down from 44 during the same period last year, according to data from Activist Insight Online. Nonetheless, this year's number is still well above the 2017 level of 25 companies targeted. Hi Seth, welcome to the show. What attracts Oasis to Japan?
1: Thanks. First of all, thanks so much for having me. I've been investing in Japan since '95, And back then... There was this pre-Daiko Henjo, so pre some regulatory changes in Japan. Japan was the largest convertible bond market in the world. And companies would systematically issue bonds at a 2.5% premium. In other words, extraordinary extraordinary cheap levels to enable insurance companies to participate in their equity and to subscribe to their convertible bonds. And yet, uh, because because insurance companies specifically could not buy more than 30% of equities in their portfolios. And so there was this phenomenon, domestic CBs, convertible bonds, where they could buy at these extraordinary cheap levels. And that attracted a number of foreign hedge fund investors, of which I happen to be one of them. The universe at the time was so enormous compared to the size of the hedge fund, there was this enormous opportunity. So uh, I was at hybrid at the time and I stayed up a couple of nights and we bought some uh, bought a portfolio and then I uh, effectively started you know, been working nights effectively or working Japanese hours ever since. And so as I spent more and more time looking at Japan, you realize how extraordinarily large the investment universe is, how extraordinarily cheap these co- other companies are, and in many cases, you know, why those companies remain cheap. And uh, you just kind of, you spend a lot of time wishing that there was a means to kind of, to some degree, make management work more effective and smarter to produce high margins and produce high returns and produce higher ROEs and produce basically more profitable, better companies. And so, you know, from 95, I stayed up at night looking at companies and, you know, today there's 2,400 companies that are part of Topics and that presents an enormously large and Fun investable universe that trades at basically half the valuations of the S and P 500, six and a half times uh, EV bid versus you know 11.6 times in the S P 500. So this is an enormously cheap universe that provides a lot of opportunity for people who are prepared to do deep dives of both what the companies are doing. And for me today, what the opportunity said is for them to change and produce higher margins that I think is going to produce even better returns.
0: So shareholder activism in Japan has consistently increased year over year through 2018. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, that is by an explicit action of the government and the regulatory bodies to encourage activism and encourage engagement by shareholders to increase company values, corporate values in Japan. So Japan has an enormous amount of challenge, both in terms of government debt to GDP, both in terms of an aging population. uh, And so the need to achieve higher equity returns and to enable that, to embolden that, Abe, Prime Minister of Japan, has initiated third arrow of his economic reform package, which is trying to stimulate companies and stimulate management to be better stewards of capital and to be better management and produce higher returns. And so he's done that in 2014 by implementing a corporate governance code so that's driving management to actually be better stewards of capital and being better managers and the stewardship code which is trying to drive the shareholder base and the institutional shareholder base to be engaged with management so effectively they've created this like push and pull phenomenon where you have shareholders pushing them and you have the corporate governance code pulling management all to try to achieve higher returns and higher returns are in every way. There was a commission that looked at ROEs, and so ROE has been the metric of choice in Japan recently. Uh, and you know, they're trying to achieve an 8% ROE, and now it's been working and ROEs have been coming closer to 8% in Japan, albeit in the, in the West, they're substantially higher. And so activists, engaged shareholders, large amount of institutional shareholders are all much more welcomed by management who are governed by this corporate governance code. There's increased engagement by management. They're increasingly welcome. And there's an increasing amount of, uh, of shareholders who are prepared to vote against management. So you kind of have natural allies in every, other sh- in every other shareholder base who's now interested in both producing higher returns and feels that they have an ability to vote against management.
0: What are the most common forms of discount in Japan?
1: They're basically cheap on every metric. They're cheap on price-to-book. They're cheap on a price-to-tangible book. They're cheap on the EV bidat basis. On a PE basis, they might not look cheap, but if you look at them on a leverage basis, so, which is kind of what EV Mudad does, if you take out the net cash basis, they're also extraordinarily cheap. They're cheap in every way. The argument historically was they were cheap, and, but they were cheap for a reason. And the reason was, as I said earlier, that margins were, were historically been lower and leverage is much, much lower. But there's been an increasing move by management and by shareholders trying to improve margins. And I think that this provides actually some of the best equity opportunities in the world.
0: You touched on this before, but I wonder if you can go into more depth about how Japan's governance code affects shareholder activism in the country.
1: Well, it affects the disclosure level. The the stewardship code, which is the the counterpart to the corporate governance code, has changed shareholder behavior and the voting behavior pretty dramatically. And that's a sea change in Japan. So historically, Japan had what might have made North Korea blush in terms of voting percentages and support for management. So it used to be historically like 99.9% support for management. And today that numbers are going down dramatically. There's a large number of companies that only have 50 to 60% support for management. There's an increasing amount of domestic shareholders that are prepared to vote against management. And there's a lot more ability to affect change because management's under much more threat by, you know, they don't have these complacent shareholders. And so they feel like they have to produce better returns to remain. There's an increased opportunity for management to participate in the equity prices. As there's a part of the corporate governance code, encourages uh, encourages management now to have equity returns as part of their overall compensation package, which is great. And uh, the corporate governance code explicitly encourages them as well to basically either state the reasons for explicitly state the reasons for continuing to have, but actually encourage them to unwind their cross-share shareholdings. So, share shareholdings is an old legacy in Japan of companies owning each other and creating a, basically a mutually assured protection. And that a mutually assured protection would, would, you know, keep management in place despite them not being the best in class management. And as that goes away and as an increasing amount of pressure for banks and corporates to sell their core shareholdings, there's less complacent shareholders and shareholders are being more engaged as management now also has the pull of, of improving themselves and improving, uh, improving their own margins, getting rid of uh, getting rid of businesses that are money losing or, or business lines that are money losing. Uh, there's a much tighter labor market, so there's not necessarily the need to keep an uh, enormous amount of labor. There's a, And there's a lot more of a, of a desire as well to focus on the bottom line as people start focusing on ROE, as opposed to just t- focusing on the top line and revenue. Uh, but now, now they're actually focusing on trying to increase margins and produce higher net income numbers.
0: Now, what are some challenges activists face in Japan?
1: The good news in Japan, actually, is that there's enormous amount of great shareholder rights There's great laws in place. You know, there's actually great proxy access. There's great ability to kind of see how everybody's voting. There's great ability to get access to those votes. So it's amongst the easiest proxy access from a technical point of view in terms of getting board minutes, getting full books and records. just kind of doing the due diligence you really want to do as a really engaged shareholder. The challenges are increasing amount in the world of passive shareholders. So you need to get their ESG departments to vote with you. Amazingly enough, the domestic institutional shareholder base is, is doing a great job of, of increasingly taking their stewardship responsibilities seriously and voting against management when appropriate. This still remains to be cross shareholdings So though, where those are, those are typically more of a challenge as an engaged shareholder to get their votes on your side. And then uh, there are some long onlys in the world who still haven't realized or haven't gotten the memo that Japan is changing. And they still think that they need to vote with management, regardless of whether they, they think the engaged shareholders, the activist shareholders' proposals are accurate, because they're afraid of losing access to management. And I think that's, like, that's an old card, and that's a card that actually the management can't use anymore. It's explicitly against the corporate governance code, but there's some, still some foreign shareholders who are just still very reluctant to vote with shareholders. And then there's always a the challenge, I think, it's, I think it's true globally, of getting the retail shareholder base. Engaged. The retail shareholder base is the smallest you know, percentage of voting in, of the entire shareholder base. And th- there's been recent movements of opening that up to getting greater access to the retail shareholder base to get them to vote. But so it's about uh, it's about moving all those shareholder bases.
0: How has shareholder engagement in Japan evolved over time?
1: Historically, uh, engagement in Japan would take years and not months. And those years were the challenges of getting the shareholder base motivated and to vote with you to get management to engage and listen to and so they wanted to see that you were a long-term shareholder and it might take one or two or three or four years of which we've had of which we've had engagements that long to get management to see that you're actually looking out for the best for the best of the company and your proposals are reasonable and good for them and today that engagement is massively sped up there's a massive acceleration in the even the engagement time period so nowadays we go into a meeting and we're able to get the CEO and basically the first meeting and have meaningful dialogue. And then in many cases, we get that meaningful dialogue to produce meaningful results in a very short period of time. So in a couple of cases, you have those results in one or two or three weeks where those results are maybe director changes, some of those results are buybacks, some of those results are business line changes, some of the results are a certain type of expansions we're looking for. Some of those results are getting rid of certain incentives in one particular company. Uh, that they were providing consumers that was not necessary. So there's been like real results in such a fast period of time. And so this acceleration uh, of change is exciting for us.
0: I understand shareholder proposals often do not pass at Japanese companies. If this is the case, how do you measure the success of your campaigns?
1: The nice part about Japan is that they're still seeking a harmonious society. And within that, so even if you have a proposal that only gets 20 or 30 or 40% support, that does mean that 20 or 30 or 40% do not support management, do not support man- what management's doing. So in the desire to have a harmonious society, they often take that criticism really on board and try to address those concerns anyway. And so you've seen a fair bit of change at company levels in terms of the governance structures, in terms of their capital allocation. In terms of their business lines, just to address shareholder concerns, despite the fact that their actual proxies didn't pass.
0: Do you have any tips for foreign activists looking to invest in Japan?
1: Well, I'm happy for them to give me a call.
0: <laughs> is there anything you want to say on the air?
1: Anything else? Uh, uh, <laughs> look, they, can spend, they should spend the time both studying the companies in depth. This is, you know, In terms of engagement, I think it's important to have a, more of a Japanese approach than simply the typical American approach. Because while Japan is changing and there's a massive acceleration in that change, and so I think it's an extraordinarily exciting time in Japan, it still needs to be, from a voting point of view and from a perception point of view in Japan, it's very important that proposals are, have real, meaningful, good impact on the companies and are not just financial engineering. And so I would encourage any activist to look at Japan to look at how to make these companies better for everybody and all stakeholders and not just make them better for shareholders.
0: Thanks for being here. Sure. Pleasure. That was Seth Fisher, the Chief Investment Officer of Oasis Management. That's it for this episode of the Activist Insight Podcast, Beyond the Boardroom. If you would like to join us on a future episode, or if you have any comments or questions, please email press at activistinsight.com. Please do rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you are using to help others access our reporting. I'm Ilana DeRay. Thanks for listening.